Well, good morning, church. Hey, my name is Tyler. I'm the director of student ministries here. That means I get the privilege to uh, hang out with 7th through 12th grade students. Um, we've just had a blast this summer. Just, uh, we've had things like, uh, we call it hang time, where students can come and, and hang out and just uh, experience community here at church. And we're preparing for our mission trip to Oklahoma City, which we're super excited about. And actually on July 14th, we're going to be doing a commissioning. So if you think about it, we would love your prayer as we just begin to get ready to go bring the love of Jesus to Oklahoma City, uh, just with our students. And so um, if you're here for the first time, I just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're watching online, Welcome. We're so glad that you are here. Um, this morning, we're going to start, uh, uh, we're going to wrap up our series uh, called A Time for a Change. And uh, the last couple of weeks, Pastor Brent has been preaching on topics like finances and purpose and uh, things like setting goals and mental health. And, and it really kind of stems around this idea or this question of where do you want to be in five years? Or what is it in your life that needs to change? And this morning, we're going to talk about the topic of relationships, talk about uh, the topic of relationships. And before you, like, get up and you, like, walk out, you're like, oh, no, not relationships, right? Uh, I'm not talking about necessarily just romantic relationships, but relationships at large. Because here's the thing. Everyone has some sort of relationship. And everyone wants to have some sort of relationship that is healthy. I think if anybody's sitting here going, no, I actually kind of like the unhealthy ones, it'd be like, I will pray for you, okay? Like... So in that, when we want these relationships, we want to have these healthy relationships. And so I want to talk about that. And for some of you, that might mean a friend group. It might mean your friends, your best friends, or the friends, the people that you surround yourself. That might be, in your context, what we're talking about. It might be your spouse or your significant other. You have a relationship with your spouse and with your significant other, hopefully, right? Or, or it might be your family. And some of you are going, oh boy, okay, all right, have you met my family? But you have a relationship with them. Many of you, most of you, work. And so you have relationships with people at work. And those relationships are shaped um, because there's people and there's people, right? Maybe it's your social circles. Maybe it's not necessarily your friends, but just your friends' friends or the people that you come in contact with, the people that you interact with. You have relationships with those people, people here at church, right? You have relationships with people here at church, and maybe it's in the community. Maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe it's people on the, uh, your, your kid's baseball team or, or whatever it is. The fact is, is we all have different types of relationships. There are relationships that we all come in contact with, and, and I think before we dive too deep into this idea of relationships, I want to I wanna define it a little bit and, and talk about, I believe that there's, there's a few different levels of relationships. Now, this isn't a scientific thing. This is just kind of things that I've observed or anything like that, and it's not an exhaustive list necessarily, uh, but I, I believe that there's different levels of relationships because relationships are different. And so the first one I call the common relationship, okay? The common relationship. This is a relationship that uh, is oftentimes with maybe it's community members or it's at work with people you kind of work with but you don't really interact with all that much or, or just some people you're just kind of getting to know. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we can come into church and church can just become this place of these common relationships. But I, I would argue that in, at church, as we have a unity in Christ, we should go deeper in some of our relationships. So the first one is, is common relationships, right? These relationships are not necessarily um, um, the deepest. They're, they're kind of surface level. They're cordial, but they're important. It's important to have good, healthy, common relationships. It's not good to be unhealthy in that way. But then it goes on to another level. 
And the next level I call deeper relationships. These are relationships that go to the next level. These are your friend group, the people that are around you, some of your family. These, these relationships, uh, they go deeper. And, and, and part of what they require is a little bit of authenticity. And that can be scary sometimes to go deeper into relationships. And these relationships, they take time to develop. They're not just something that just happens overnight. So they take time to develop. They take, it requires people to get to know you. And these are, are deeper relationships as we go in. They're authentic. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I'm a person, I have a tendency to, to go deep really quick. I think I get it from my dad. My dad is the type of guy that's like, like has a conversation with somebody and is like, they're now like best friends. And uh, my grandpa was that way too. Uh, he would walk into a room and everybody's like, Harold! And we're like, how do you know everyone? It's crazy. But my, my grandpa was the type of person, he would go into deeper relationships because my grandpa was really authentic. My dad is very authentic and go and real uh, in that. But we have to be careful because that can sometimes freak people out, right? You're like, how are you doing? Terrible. Can I tell everything about it? Like, I can freak people out a little bit, Okay. And then we go on, there's another level of relationship that I call the inner circle relationship. The inner circle relationship. This is, is the deep part. The people that know you, the people that are closest to you. The, this could be your spouse, it could be your best friend. These are the relationships that if you get arrested, you don't want them to swear and, and testify under oath. Because they know everything. These are the people, these are, these are the relationships that can be so satisfying, so life-giving, but also so difficult because it requires some of the utmost authenticity. It, revol- it involves us to have to take our mask off and be real, to deal with the problems, to deal with the issues. These are the people that know everything. And these relationships, while they can be great, they can be so difficult. But regardless of the type of relationship, regardless of the relationship, I believe it is so important that we strive for healthy relationships. But... Relationships are hard because, well, people. Right? I don't think I have to try too hard to convince you that relationships are hard because if you've ever met anyone, you know that relationships can be hard. It takes a minimum of two people, imperfect people, put together to create sometimes some hiccups, right? You can interact. Like, we can talk, right? Do you agree? Because people, people are messy. People, uh, those of you who are parents, you know. Right? I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Some of the most common phrases in our house are, get off your brother's head. Right? Or like, no, don't hit him with a bat. Or can you please just stop touching each other? Right? Right? Or maybe it's at work. Maybe, like, if you have a job, right? You realize, maybe you have a boss. One of the, I, early on, uh, right out of high school, I had a number of just different jobs. And one of my jobs was I was a Zamboni driver. I drove Zamboni. Like, like yeah, okay, just for the record, hockey moms. You guys are scary, right? <laughs> and I had a boss, and my boss sometimes, okay, he, he was going through a lot of things in, in life, but it was, it was a really difficult relationship because, you know, he just wasn't the nicest guy. And I was, like, a super sensitive 18-year-old at the time or whatever, and, and apparently if you, like, miss a spot on, on the ice in Zamboni, like, it'll ruin your kid's career in, in the NHL. I don't know. Like, and so, so there, there's navigating difficult relationships in, in the workforce. And maybe you have a boss that sometimes can be a little bit difficult. Or maybe you have a coworker that can be a little bit difficult. Or maybe you're a student, okay? Maybe you're in school. And you have that one teacher that just doesn't like you. It might be the fact that you never stop talking in math class. But, like, there's this teacher that, that d- just doesn't seem to like you. Or there's this girl that just constantly is gossiping about you. Or, or she gives you this stink eye in the hallway every single time you walk by. Here's the thing. Relationships are hard. Right? 
And I think we can relate to this. And I think sometimes as we think about relationships, it might be funny sometimes, the, the, the difficulty in relationships it might be funny, and we might be able to, able to shake it off. And other times, they're extremely hard, and they're extremely damaging. And I think it's important that we talk about and we, we understand the, this idea of healthy relationships because, you know what, the fact of the matter is relationships, unhealthy relationships, toxic relationships, can affect us so much more than just giving us a bad day. They can damage us for years. And cause bitterness and cause pain and cause, cause us to, to just to maybe even walk away from God or, or to walk away from people that we really shouldn't be walking away from. And so it's important that we talk about healthy relationships because here's what actually happens. There's nothing that Satan wants more than to plague our relationships. Why? Because God loves relationships. God created us to be in relationship, and so Satan has made it his mission to plague relationships because he doesn't want the things that God loves to be things that we love. And he doesn't want it to be easy. And so here's what Satan does, is he takes relationships, he takes things that God loves, that he created, and he twists them. Satan knows that God created us to be in relationship. And so what he does, we know that, that God created us to be in relationship, because in Genesis 1, verse 27, it says this, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created Adam to be in relationship with him. To be in relationship with God. And then God created Eve to be in relationship with Adam and with God. God created us. We are relationship-driven beings. And if you're sitting here going, I don't need relationship. No, that you're designed to be in relationship. And so Satan, he takes and he twists relationships. He twists it. This thing called sin. Satan has warped and twisted truth to convince us to sin, and that sin affects our lives. That's why we live in such a messed up world. It's because of sin. That's why we have unhealthy, toxic relationships, because of sin. That's why we hurt people, because of sin. Satan has taken these things, and he's twisted them, and he's created unhealthy relationships. Because of our actions, because of the things that we have done. And I want you to know the church is not immune to this. We're not immune to it. You're never going to hear us at Edinburgh say or claim that we're going to always get things right because we, we, we won't. Sometimes when you get people, imperfect people, into a place to worship a perfect God, sometimes we hurt people. At times we fall short. We hurt people. I have hurt people. Even in this church, I have hurt people because we're imperfect. And maybe you're sitting here and maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you're like, you, this is your first time back to church in forever because you've been hurt by somebody in the church. Or maybe you're watching online and you refuse to walk into the church because you've been hurt by people in the church. Hear me when I say this. Please hear me. I'm sorry. And if you're here, I'm so glad you're here. And if you're watching, I'm so glad that you're watching. But also hear me when I say this. God is so much bigger than that. Don't let your view of God be defined by unhealthy or sinful people. Don't let the, your view of what God is like be defined by people because God is so much bigger than that. He's so much bigger than that. So why should we care about healthy relationships? Well, if God is, is so much bigger, does that mean that we as Christians are off the hook? No. No. Why should we, the church, why should we care about healthy relationships? Here's the short answer. Jesus said so. Check? Okay, good? No? Okay. Here's what it says. In John 
13, 34, and 35, it says this. So now, Jesus, Jesus is talking to his disciples. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Why should we strive for healthy relationships? Because the world is watching. Are we going to mess up? Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to mess up. It's going to happen. But we should strive for healthy relationships because the world is watching. Hear me, church, when I say this. If we can't love each other, how can we ever imagine to go and love the world? Amen? We've got to strive to love each other, to live in healthy relationships because the world is watching. And if we can't figure it out, how can we go out and be like, man, we've got this message for you. This isn't in my notes, so this could be dangerous. I think sometimes in the church, we get this idea that if we, just, if we just get to church and we deal with this vertical thing with God, like me and God, and we get this thing figured out, then everything will just like, like sort itself out. And, and, and I think that's important. It's important that we, we, we focus on our relationship with God. But also in the Bible, Jesus says, if you come to the altar, right? And he's talking about the, the ancient Old Testament idea of coming and, and, and the forgiveness of sins. And it's this vertical idea, this relationship with God. If you come to the altar and you realize that you have wronged somebody out you know, in your community or you've wronged somebody. It says to leave the altar and go and make amends. And sometimes, sometimes in the church, we get this idea that if I just, if everything's just okay with God, it's right with God, who cares about the rest of it? And this passage right here is saying, no, 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 no. They will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We should love each other because it is by that love that the world will know the love of God. This is the trait. This is the trait, the trait of love that is spread out. That is the reason why we are sitting here today. It is by the trait of the love of God's people for each other and for the world that has spread the good news of Jesus, it's by that trait. And so church, what if we were a church that was known as a church that loves well? We're a church that's passionate about leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We want to unleash compassion on our community. We want to we have impact on our community. And that's done by when we love well. And it starts in these walls as we love each other well. And not only in this church, but in your family. What if we were known as a family that loves well? Sometimes it's really easy to, it can be easy to love people you see once a week. What about the person that's sleeping in the room next to you? What if we were known as a church that loves well? Not only does this passage tell us why we should care about healthy relationships, but it paints this picture of what a healthy relationship is. Looks like in verse 34, love each other as I, Jesus, have loved you. Jesus was selfless. He was generous. He was compassionate. You want to know what a healthy relationship looks like? Read about Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus. See how Jesus was. He was compassionate and generous and loving. Uh, I used to be a track and field coach, which is funny because I never actually did track and field. My, uh, I was working at a church in Ramsey, and my, my pastor was like, hey, you should go coach track and field. And I was like, okay. And I ended up uh, at one year of being an assistant coach, and then I ended up becoming the head coach, which is even funnier because 
I, I never ran track. And I would have these students come up to me. I did learn. Like, I actually kind of became an okay coach. But, like, I would have these students come up to me, and they'd say, how do, I, how do I, like, become better? How do I become a better runner? And a lot of times I just want, I wanted to say run faster. But, like, <laughs> how do I become better? What is it? How do I? I need coaching. And so what I would do is a lot of times I would look, and I would look for, like, the fastest kid or the best field event kid, and I'd be like, do that. Right? Now, as a track and field coach, I wasn't very good. That was, that was not, like... I mean, it kind of works or whatever. But as a pastor, it works really, really well. How should we live? What does a healthy relationship look like? Look at Jesus. What, what, is, what is it that I should do in this situation? If I were in this situation, what should I do? This person has wronged me. Jesus was hanging on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What should I do? Look to Jesus. may not work in track and field coaching, but it works when we're talking about Jesus. So many times we are looking for how to live when we have the best example right in front of us, right there in the Bible. We have the example right there. What should our relationships look like? Look like Jesus when we, lo- when we love like Jesus. So with the time as I'm, that we have left, I want to give you just some, some practical ideas as we think about a time for a change. What are, what are some practical steps that we can take? What are some practical steps that we can take to, to move towards healthy relationships? And I don't care what kind of relationship we're talking about. I think these principles are universal in helping us move towards healthy relationships because it comes from the Bible, and the Bible is such a good guide for us. And, and this, this, the verse that I want to read to you comes from uh, a, a passage in, in Colossians. And Paul is writing to the church, the, the Colossian church, and, and, and this passage actually comes out of Paul's like greeting and prayer. And I think a lot of times when we, we read through, or maybe you start out uh, in, the, in the beginning of the, the, the chapter or the book that you're reading, and sometimes it's really easy to like skip over the greeting or the prayer because it's kind of like the intro uh, to a TV show where you just skip it when you're like binge watching. You're like, I want to get to the content, okay? But there's so much gold here that Paul gives us in Colossians 1 that I, I just want to I w- I talk about it and, and give you guys a couple practical steps that I see in here when we think about like maybe you're sitting here and going, I have some relationships stuff that I need, I need to work on, or I need some help in, or I need a change because this isn't working. Whatever it is that isn't working, maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's somebody at work. I think as we take this passage in Scripture and we, and we, we, we apply what it's saying here, it can help us move towards healthy relationships. So Colossians 1, verse 1, starting, starting in verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. Verse 3, we always pray for you, and we give thanks to God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news or the gospel. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it has changed your life from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. If you want to move towards healthy relationships, this is what Paul says. Pray for each other. 
Paul says to the church. He says, we pray for you always. Paul says, we pray for you. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm in a conflict or in some sort of of confrontation or whatever it is, it's not always easy necessarily to step back and go, I'm going to pray for this person. But here's why I think this is important. It's, It's difficult to step back and to pray for people at times because that means that we have to give up our agenda. It means that we have to give up maybe what we think is necessary. Now, the person could be totally wrong. The person might be totally right. But if we stop and we step back and we go, I'm going to pray for this person. What we're doing is we're aligning our hearts with God. And we're saying, you know what? Unity with Christ, unity with people is more important than maybe my agenda. And we step back and we pray. We pray for that person. If I'm in a conflict with my wife, which never happens, it... If I stop and I pray for her, it changes my heart. Can I say that again? It changes my heart. Do you hear what is happening here? It starts inside of me. We are so quick to look out in our relationships and go, it's that person's fault, it's this person, this person did this or whatever. It has to start with us. And go, God, give me patience. God, give me peace. God, give me a heart for unity. I don't want to lose in this situation. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want the relationship to be broken. I want a healthy relationship. And so we stop and we pray for the other person. And we align our hearts with God. And go, God, please take this. And as hard as it is, in the heat of the moment, to step back and to pray. If we do that. God blesses that, and he steps us into healthier relationships. It steps us into this this place where our mind is not on me, 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 but it's on, God, what do you have in this moment? Try it. This is like a super applicable thing, okay? Next time you're in some sort of conflict or some sort of thing in your relationship, step back and pray. If you're fighting with your spouse, what what if you stopped and prayed together? Like, Lord, just smite them. No, I'm kidding. Okay, like, what if sometimes that, that is, you know, I mean, if you read Psalms, it happens, right? Like, Lord, smite my enemies. No, no, no. Okay, but what if? And what's amazing is when we do that, God changes our heart, and he gives us more patience, and he changes our perspective. And this leads into my second point. My second point is this, is we have to realize that you can't change anyone. Some of you are sitting here going, yeah, yeah. And yet, we say, yeah, yeah, we can't change anyone. And then we're like, if she just would stop doing this, or if he would just do what I said, we would never have any problems, which is probably actually, I don't know. If he just did this. But here's the thing. We can't change anyone. If you have kids, you know this. If you have strong-willed kids, my second born, you know this. Okay, hear me, you can't change your mother-in-law, you can't change your mom, you can't change your boyfriend, you can't change your boss. And if you're, you're sitting here going, okay, pastor, thanks for the inspiring word. <laughs> Wait, because here's the thing, God changes lives. Colossians 1, 6, the same good news, the gospel that came to you is going out all over the world, and it is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it has changed your life 
from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. This is the third point. The gospel is the key. Let me, let me say that again, because one person was like, yep, okay. The gospel is the key. Okay, good. You guys are getting it. All right. God is the one who changes lives. And if God is the one who changes lives, God is the one who makes relationships healthy. God changes lives. When our focus is on him and he is our goal, the natural outcome is out of that comes a flowing of relationships, a healthy relationship with God, a healthy relationship with people. As we strive to love God and to love others, it says this, hear this in verse 4 of Colossians 1. In verse 4 and 5, for we have heard of your faith. This is what Paul is saying to the church in Colossians. That we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. So he's saying, we have heard that you love God and that you love people. And then here he comes, here he comes with, with how, why they're doing it or, or what is the reason that they're doing that. In verse 5, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard of the truth of the good news of the gospel. The gospel is the key to healthy relationships. It says the confident hope that you have in Christ is the reason that you love God and that you love people. If we want to have healthy relationships, if we say, you know what, my hope is in Christ, my, my security is in Christ, my life is in Christ, and so when we come into places of difficult relationships, we can say, no, 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 it's because of Jesus that I can have hope, and that I can love people. When we're so in love and so enthralled with Jesus that we love God and we, we can love people, even difficult people, because we can say, you know what, my hope isn't in this world. My hope isn't even in this relationship. My hope is in Christ. And because of that, we can lay down our own desires. We can lay down our own issues. We can lay down our own agenda. And we can say, no, 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 I'm going to be about loving God and loving people. The gospel is the key. And it's because of our hope in Jesus and what God has for us in heaven that we can live for Jesus and we can love all of God's people. I was... Um, thinking about this and I was trying to figure out like how can I communicate exactly what this looks like or what is it what does it look like to live what I call this the the gospel saturated life or the gospel to live out gospel saturated relationships what does it look like and I was like I was like started writing stuff down and then I would delete it and then I would start writing stuff down and I, and I would delete it and then I came across a passage and I was like man why am I trying to say it I might as well let God say it and so I want to read to you as it goes on a little bit further in Colossians, Colossians 3. And in Colossians 3, it's this idea of living this new life or living a gospel-saturated life. What does this look like and what does this have to do with relationships? And so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up and follow along with me in Colossians 3. But it's going to be on the screen as well. But I want you to hear this. It's like a lot of verses that maybe we don't always necessarily do. But God says it so well. Why, why mess it up, right? It says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, okay, because of the gospel, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the reality of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Change the way that we think. Go, God, I'm going to pray for this person. God, help me to see things differently. I want to think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. My own selfishness, my own desires, my own like, agenda. But I want to think about you. And then verse 3, it says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. That's our hope. 
And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So, verse 5, put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of the world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off the old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Why? Why should we get rid of these things? Because these things kill relationships it kills our the sin kills our relationship with god it it separated us from our relationship with god the sin and 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 with people and so why should we throw it off because it is hurting and it is killing relationships and it's not who we are anymore verse 10 so put on a new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him in this new life. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. It doesn't matter if your boss is a jerk. It doesn't matter if your husband doesn't do everything you tell him to do. Christ is what matters. We can pray and go, God, help me love them well. God, change them through the gospel because we can't change anyone. It's only God that can change people. Christ is what matters as he lives in all of us. Verse 12, since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as a member of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Verse 16, let the message of Christ In all its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to give thanks to God with thankful hearts. And hear this. And whatever you do and say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. In all that you do, do it as a representative of Christ. And so when you are in relationships... And those relationships are difficult. Or even if you're just in a relationship and it's great. Do everything you do as a representative of Christ. When when our hope is in Christ, when our hope is in Jesus, when we do those things, we're not doing things just for the other person. We're doing it for Christ. And so when a person is difficult, if our hope is in Jesus, you know what? They can be jerks. You can't change that. But God calls us to love. To pray for them. To preach the gospel that changes lives and go, man, how can I live out the gospel? How can I live this out? Because Jesus, through Jesus, because of the gospel, we can have healthy relationships. So church, my challenge is to live gospel-saturated relationships. To be so saturated, so filled with who Jesus is. To be so filled with God that out of that flows health. That even when things are difficult, even when things are hard, we are so saturated with who God is and our confident hope in who God is that we can love people well. 
We can lay aside our own agendas. And we can love people. If you want a healthy relationship, look to the gospel of Jesus. Allow it to change you. Because you can't change anyone. And as soon as you realize that, pray for those people in your life. Those relationships. And ask God to change them through the gospel. Ask God to give you opportunities to share the gospel with people. To change. Because it's through the gospel. It's the hope that we have. It's the hope that drives us forward. So church, let's live a gospel-saturated relationship, a gospel-saturated life. And if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't even know what this, this gospel thing is, and here, here's, here's what it is, man. God created you. He loves you. He knows everything about you. And he wants to be in relationship with you. But then when sin came into this world, it created a rift between us and God. And so God had to send Jesus, his son, to this earth so that he would live a perfect life, die on the cross, and rise again, defeating death, so that we can be restored into a healthy relationship with God. And if you're sitting here and you're going, I want that. I want that healthy relationship with God. I want a healthy relationship with people. It begins at the gospel. Know this. God loves you, and he knows you, and he wants to be in relationship with you. And if you're sitting here and you're like, I want that. I want that relationship. Would you just, would you just close your eyes? Would you, would you pray this with me? You don't have to pray it out loud. And if you're watching online, just pray this. God, I know that you created me and that you love me and you know, even in my sin, you know me. And I want to be restored into a relationship with you. I believe in your son, Jesus, and what he did on the cross. Help me in my relationships with you and with people. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, this isn't just like a notch in a belt. We're like, oh, cool, okay, great. We want to walk alongside you. And so if you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to pull out your phones. This is okay. And I want you to text yes Jesus to 555-888. And you're going to get a, a, a ping back, and it's going to ask you a couple questions. And we're going to give you a resource of what it means to walk with Jesus. But church, hear me when I say this. As we think about a time for a change, a time for a change, change comes through the gospel. It comes through Jesus, our hope, our confident hope in Jesus. And so we can love and we can live out this relationship with each other and with God because of what God did through the gospel. And so church, as you walk, get up and you walk out those doors, maybe you're going to serve. Good job. Maybe you're going out to, uh, to, to do something else or whatever it is. Go out and live the gospel-saturated life so that God may be glorified and that you're living out as a representative of Jesus Christ. Go, church, and live out the gospel. If you need prayer, that's it, I'm, I'm done. So if, if you need prayer, there's going to be people up here that are willing to pray for you. I'll be up here and if you want to talk. But I encourage you, church, live out the gospel-saturated life. Love you. Have a good day.